Welcome to Exceptional Education, the education podcast hosted by ANZ UK. Thank you, everyone. Uh, welcome again to Exceptional Education, your education podcast. I am beyond thrilled about this week's guest. Um, it has been a while in the making. We've had a few people trying to get in touch. She's a very busy lady. Um, Lavinia Stennett is joining us today. Lavinia is the CEO of the Black Curriculum. Um, she has graced the pages of Vogue, GQ, Harper's Bazaar, BuzzFeed, um, an amazing feat. Um, we had her on last year as a uh, webinar guest, which was really wonderful. And we're hoping to get her back on board for several more things. So we're very lucky to have her back. Um, I don't know if I said this before, but 24 years of age, just absolutely trailblazing and doing a phenomenal job. So Lavinia, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Thank you, Phoebe. I am wonderful. Thank you very much for the introduction. My absolute pleasure. As I said, we're we're so, I keep saying this in the podcast and I need to start getting some like synonyms for the word, like for super excited, but genuinely just so over the moon about having you on board. You have just had an absolute blow up of 12, 12 months. The last 12 months has just been an incredible, um, you know, it's been incredible to watch you. You came through our doors uh, probably around about 14 months ago, I think it was, to register to work with us as a TA and cover supervisor. And sadly, we never got to have you into our schools because, you know, I guess sadly for us, but brilliant for, for the community, the Black Curriculum really took off. So I'm keen to sort of just get started right off the bat and I'd love for you to be able to explain to our viewers so not, not our viewers I keep forgetting where they can't see us it's all a podcast I'd love for you to be able to explain to our listeners um, in your own words what the black curriculum is sure um, so thanks for reminding me as well 14 months ago it's gone very fast um, Hasn't it? So, um, the black curriculum we are a social enterprise that aims to teach and support the teaching of black history all year round to empower all students across the UK um, with a sense of identity and belongings so that um, yeah they can realize their full potential um, as part of what we're trying to do as well with the teaching of black history um, our goals and uh, milestones include uh, changing the national curriculum but also the exam board specifications to show that black history can be embedded into the specifications for all students to know and then be immersed in black history all year round as well. So, yeah. Amazing. And I guess, you know, a big part of it, I know you've mentioned quite a bit and, and fed throughout your Instagram and, and on your website as well, is that traditionally in, a, in the UK at the moment, Black History Month is October and that's the one month. We, we look at, we go, we dive in deep. And, and that's it. Um, and obviously a big part of your um, of your organisation is to realise that it doesn't, it can't just be one month. There's the history as well and truly ingrained in, in what we do in the UK and, and who we are. And, um, you know, where we've been, as I said, just really in awe of the fast tracking that you've had to get to where you are at the moment. It, it, there's been lots that have happened within the last 12 months. And it's a big program that I know you've got plenty of steps ahead to kind of keep getting that momentum and, and keep getting it finally ingrained in the in the school's curriculum but I kind of want to go back a little bit pre the black curriculum obviously that's the key thing that we're looking at today but I'm really keen to know a little bit about how it actually came about um 
obviously with the company ANZ UK, Australia, New Zealand and UK, the little two words in the middle there, the New Zealand, um, I know played a really key part. So I'd love for you to be able to sort of share with our listeners what was sort of the catalyst for you starting the Black Curriculum. Sure. Um, so yeah, it all started back in 2018. Um, I was studying at the time, so I was enrolled um, in my first course, um, which is an undergraduate uh, degree in African studies at SOAS and it was African and development studies and as part of the course um, yeah I was just learning loads of African history and British history and I was like wow there's just so much here that I think is important for everybody to know because it's quite an elitist circle you know going to SOAS and you know, studying African history it's almost like a specialism within a specialism and so I was like this this is information that I think everybody should know um so I kind of started some societies off the back of that I think I was just you know when you're just in something and you're just immersed in it and there is a lot to find out I think I was just so passionate about finding the truth that I just took up loads of opportunities to do so so one of my lecturers passed on an email from this um, scholarship body called Dream New and it was about doing a semester abroad and it wasn't just like Europe which attracted me because I was like usually a lot of the schemes are Erasmus and you go to Spain or you go to France to do like a semester but this one was actually for New Zealand and I was like hell yes I'm gonna go <laughs> get me on the so, other side of the world <laughs> all day. and I was like this is exactly it so um I spoke to some of my neighbors who are, were from New Zealand and um, I just asked them like okay so what should I do on this video like how do I you know show that I'm passionate they're like yeah okay so there's this song so sing this song <laughs> and so oh, they're really? like yeah so it was Pokari Kariana uh-huh. um, so we, I sang that thing and that song I got in and um, yes I went there to study Kapahaka and Indigenous Rights it was the University of Waikato um, which is in Hamilton so I was there for three months and it was the best three months um, of that year because not only was I just immersed in Maori culture but I think also the the opportunity to get away to see another country um, that is connected to Britain through its colonial history and like see that from another lens and not on a textbook gave it so much more life than I would yeah. have ever kind of thought and I think yeah learning it in SOAS and then going to actually feel it and see it and have um, the support and also the grounding um, through Maori cosmology is to like why the world looks this way um, from their perspective was really insightful. And obviously as a black woman in New Zealand, that's almost like another experience and an experience. <laughs> so it's like you're operating through loads of, there's loads of kind of- So many layers. So many layers, but I would say so good because it gave me the opportunity to see again the parallels between my community and also Maori. So in the beginning I was like, I want to create this timeline and then what well, a timeline was that was going to analyze like the similarities and differences. I was like, well, what's the function of that? Like, who is it going to, who is it for? And I was yeah. like, it needs something much bigger. So I remember in my lecture hall writing down in my book that, yeah, I was going to, you know, create a curriculum that could document the experiences of black people. And that would be rolled out into all schools. And so at the time, it wasn't going to be called the black curriculum. I had no idea. It was just the creative curriculum because yep. um yeah I wanted to apply for a grant and I wasn't sure about putting the word black in it I was just 
you know, I, I think I was going through a process of like how to get this out in a way that it's for everybody. And then mm. I think I just on it. I spoke to this woman called Kate, and she was just like, just you know, just go for it. Call it the Black Curriculum, and I did. We got the grant, and yeah, that was when I came back. So October 2018. Um, and so yeah, I brought it to my friends who I was studying with, um, some people that I knew that were interested as well. Um, Lisa Kennedy, Bethany Thompson. And I'd say by April 2019, we already had freelancers working on this curriculum for us to put it together. So that's what happened. And um, by that September, we were in schools. That's just a phenomenal turnaround. And it's amazing how one small opportunity, well, no, I shouldn't say small opportunity. It wasn't, it was a huge opportunity, but that single opportunity has just been the seed to grow this beautiful Trans- transformative plant that uh, is just or flower I should say sounds much nicer than plant um, but it really is it's just it's incredible that you can have this your own experience in education and that's that's what we're really really focusing on today and what we want people to understand through this podcast is that it there are moments within education at any age and at any point in your life where things can can be become exceptional and you are such a prime example of that Lavinia and um you know to have gone to have taken yourself out of your comfort zone and gone abroad as well and and you mentioned before as well like going to New Zealand choosing New Zealand because of it being a commonwealth country um and seeing sort of what they were doing there what was sort of the main difference that you saw within the education of students in New Zealand and the education of students in the UK um Great question. I think I'd start with um, the fact that the society is much more open um, in terms of its acceptance of colonialism because education is just a microcosm of the society. So if the society doesn't talk about like race, colonialism, the history, then it would I would expect the education to be reflected. And I think the first thing that I understood and saw was that not only was there a, a mass understanding, at least, I, I wouldn't go as far to say like... Uh, recognition completely because there's still some struggles with land and like things yeah. like that but I feel like everybody knows at least that you know um the significance of the Treaty of Waitangi and um just understanding how colonialism just was shaped on Maori land and I think um that was really reflected in the education that I received not only learning kapahaka but also indigenous land rights mm-hmm. and then I think in terms of how that was interpreted um it was very like tangible so it wasn't just someone just at the front of the lecture class in a very monotone voice reading out this is what happened in (laughs) but it was more like okay I might have a cry about it and that's real because it's an emotion and it's like you know um not only that it's almost like practical because you can go to visit the the site and go to the Marais and actually see things and then again Kapahaka so it's very integrated with like the practical everyday things I think that was the main difference for me in that number one our society in the UK mm, there's a bit of I wouldn't say amnesia but there is a lack of recognition of the greater role that Britain played in the world besides you know being a strong colonial power and what that means for Britain but the experience of those who went through it and then secondly um I'd say the type of education it's very kind of like um uh linear and like not really engaging in the way that I think can empower students to really feel like they're part of that education and you know um yeah 
Amazing. I think it's from my own perspective, being you know brought up in Australia and um, similar, very very similar countries, Australia and New Zealand, but just a huge difference in that what you've mentioned there as well, just that acknowledgement and recognition of the history. As you said, there's still, you know, room to grow and there's still understanding to be had there. But um, as an Australian, you know, we we probably didn't even have it as much as that. I remember meeting, this is on the most superficial level and you'll laugh at me for this, Lavinia, but I remember doing a, a gap year in, in the UK and there was a couple of boys that came over from New Zealand and I didn't really, like, you don't really get a lot, a lot of opportunities to meet international people when you live in a very small country town in, in uh, Victoria and Australia. But I remember they all knew their haka and they all knew they all knew what it was and what it meant and the power that was behind it. And yes, it was a school um, tradition that they had, but there was this appreciation of it and there was an acknowledgement of the power behind it. And that was not something that we would probably have within Australia, which is, you know, there is a lot of room to go, uh, sorry, a lot of room to grow um, with what we're doing. But, you know, what you're doing here, and, and I'm, I just, it excites me again that, you had this acknowledgement and, and you saw what was happening somewhere else and that you you have taken that on yourself. Uh, you must have been, what, 21 at that time coming back and going like, yeah, uh, we're going to do this. And then within, what what did you say? Was it about six months, less than six months of returning? You already had it kicking off in the in the new academic year, which is phenomenal. Like it just is, it's, it's amazing to do that. And, and again, the publicity that you're getting for it as well and the work that you're doing. I would love to know, like, where where are you currently at with getting it into schools? What are you currently doing within schools? Yeah, so it's changed a lot from the beginning. And I think that's just natural with any kind of growth that you will have different phases. Things won't work and you'll see how people respond to certain things. So in the beginning, our um, main product was going into schools to teach this curriculum that we created. And then over time, what we saw were very quickly, actually, was that teachers were like, yeah, we have our own curriculum, so this is great. <laughs> they don't like change. Try if you try and stuff more in that curriculum, you're gonna be you're gonna get a lot of resistance. It was very very difficult for a lot of teachers who wanted it, but just found it difficult for them to interpret what we had into their scheme of work because they yep. obviously have certain things attached to um, what they you know what what's on their curriculums to teach. So. Um, we quickly realized that and um, you know, developed our own kind of program that was outside of school with the same curriculum. But for the work in school, what we decided to do was um, begin training teachers as part of the CPD offer, um, give them some kind of tools and language and knowledge as well um, around black history so that they could then kind of implement it into their scheme of work. Um, yeah. And then post that, I think a couple of months later, um, the feedback from that was good and what was obvious is that after we've trained them there was nothing for them to say um, like to assess whether or not it's being implemented right okay. whether or not it could be continued in a way that was sustainable for not only the school um, but also the teacher network at large so we now do curriculum consultations so we look at curriculums we audit them um, and we're moving into a standard, so we understand that, you know, if there's like a model school that does it really, really well, we'd make sure that that school, those teachers can support the other teachers that are doing it. So in, in that, I guess, phase, we're actually kind of growing. So that's kind of like a part of our business model at the moment. Um, and then much recently, we've just also realized that there's a lot more to do with governors and um, mm -hmm. people within schools who aren't just teachers, but also have a stake in the learning. 
So we also do um, governor training as well. Amazing. So really it's become quite an organic piece. And I guess you kind of have to have that with a startup. I mean, we could make this whole podcast about how do you get a startup going, but we won't do that. We'll keep focusing on the education. But I do think that that's a really key point to kind of look at is that you very much could have gone in and gone, we are implementing a new curriculum. This will be put in. We're going to go to the government. We're going to go to politicians, local politicians. We're going to go to governors and say, this is what you're putting in and it needs to be as it is here. But obviously, as you said before, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a teacher by trade and I tell you this, it, do, it doesn't matter what the, what, who is coming at me with saying you need to include this, you need to include this, you need to include this. It's a lot. And, and, and it's, I know there would be so many people that were going, I'm desperate. I really want, I really, really want to include this. I can see the value in it. I just don't know what I'm taking out. Um, and that's so hard. And that's a challenge that I think that we face with teaching in the UK. And I know I could probably confidently say most head teachers that we speak to are, you know, that pressure of time, that pressure of curriculum, that pressure of assessment um, can take away that, I don't want to say the importance of some particular topics, because this is so important and it should be in and it's, it shouldn't be a question of why it's not. It should be a question of when it is. Um, but great that you're talking to governors and those sorts of people to, to sort of start implementing it in that different way and changing that focus, changing the changing how you can how you can implement it. I think that's that's wonderful. And um, you mentioned that you're doing um, professional development with teaching staff. Um, how are you finding that? Are you doing that? Is that sort of a weekly process? Is it a monthly one off session, an evening session? How are you sort of doing that at the moment? Yeah, so largely it depends on the school that reaches out to us. We work with a number of primary, secondary, private, state schools. Um, and so some schools would like just one session, others would like more of a continued one. So what we'd make sure is that at least like uh, every school has like a baseline. Um, so we provide them with the resources before we actually go in um, so that they can be, I guess, have the awareness of what kind of level they're trying to get to. Um, and that happens over a course um, of either three weeks sometimes um, or a couple of months. Um, we also have worked with um, educational institutes like UCL because um, there's a lot of new teachers as well that, you know, as part of their professional training should be trained on black history too. So that's something that we're trying to get in just before they even go into schools because, again, it all it eats away at the time, it eats away at the kind of like, um yeah you just time really spent that could be spent on doing other things so yeah uh, kind of remedy that we're thinking about um going in earlier and also speaking to not only teachers but also parents because it's like such a, yeah. such a relationship between governors parents teachers and you know as part of our work is of changing the narrative within society sorry parents have a huge role in that as well so we work with them um all the time to, to yeah. do that. I guess as well within the last year, parents have had to sadly become teachers. So this has been, you know, a really unique year to get that message across and, and to encourage it. And you mentioned as well, I think it's amazing that you're heading into the university area as well for those graduate teachers. As you said, mm -hmm. if you start to learn that there immediately when you start as, as a teacher, it's already ingrained in you. It's the teachers that have been around for 45 years that have been told, add this, add this, add this, that are probably giving you the most resistance and they're going, get me to my retirement. I just want to go, which is not the attitude we want and not what we approve here. We really want to encourage people to take things on board. But def definitely, like, yeah, I think all of those parts and, and as you mentioned, there's 
every every section of every cog of the wheel of education needs to be needs to be informed and needs to be included. Um, I'm going to step back even further, a little bit further back. I really want to know what kind of student were you like at school? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, if we can ask that. <laughs> so I would I'd be honest and say that like I found my especially early education very disruptive. I was a really good student. I would you know um, do my work, do it to a high standard. I'd always be in like top sets, but I found the school environment very challenging. Yeah. So I actually dropped out like year eight or year nine. Right. Um, yeah, so I spent a couple of months out of school before I'd done my GCSEs and A-levels. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, more than a couple of months. It was quite a long time. Um, but I'd say overall, it was a really, um, it was a roller coaster because I think, like, as a student, that was very, like, hungry for knowledge, but then also, like, um, not, I guess, in terms of how I interpret my learning, it wouldn't really fit within, like, a classroom setting so even to this day um I still find myself like being that student that likes to like have space to write and like process yeah. my thoughts out loud and I think in a school environment that is like outside the, the norms of of what is constituted as discipline and a student that's kind of focused and motivated so it's almost like a tug of war between being like really smart in my own way but then at the same time that not really kind of translating into what's expected of a student. Do you think um, that part of that, your own personal experience has shaped how you're creating the black curriculum and how you're wanting it to be, um, what's the word, uh, accessible to students of varying kind of creativity levels or varying learning abilities? Absolutely. I really, I try to shy away from this, but I'm just like, at this point, I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, it is in some way, I'm really trying to model the back curriculum and what I would like for young people up like over and above the experiences that I've had. Um, yep. So not only like through the arts um, and being creative because we use black history and the arts as a way to kind of teach young people, but then also um, being able to advocate and like be confident. I think those are things that, um, you know, school, and sometimes your home can't teach you and sometimes you need that like extra encouragement. I know I had some really good mentors and good um, people in my in my schooling years who would just encourage me outside of just um, teaching. So I think, yeah, giving young people those advocacy skills, confidence skills and also agency to be able to release their full potential um, creatively is really important to me. So, yeah, it is modelled after my own experiences. Yeah, it's amazing that, again, though, you know, how your own experience can kind of shape what you want to do later in life. I, again, slightly, probably very different, but I hated history at school. I absolutely hated it. I thought it was the most boring subject. Apologies now, don't worry. This will change to a more positive. I'm realising we're talking about black history mostly, but I really, I couldn't, I couldn't grasp it and I couldn't understand. I, I just really found it quite boring and dull. And maybe that was because I wasn't in an environment where it was excitable. I came to Europe and I saw old buildings and realized wow this is real like there are things here that actually have happened that I'm so removed from and I think I ended up going back and studying at university to be a history teacher and that mm. came from that trigger point of going oh actually like this is cool and I want I personally want kids to learn history in a fun way because I didn't like it and I want to make sure they do and I feel mm. like that might be a little element of that within yourself Lavinia of going I didn't really like school and maybe it was because there was that disconnect that you know, you didn't have the stuff that, you know, the, the amazing subjects and the, and the 
different ways in which to learn about the black curriculum for yourself. So it's kind of a nice opportunity to say, no, I am going to make, I am going to make change. And it will be, it can be to a small group or it can be to a large group. And obviously in your case, it's getting to be a bigger and bigger and bigger group every month. So it's, um, yeah, it's really powerful stuff that you can take those own experiences and, and, and turn them around to be, you know, something that can help kids to have that exceptional education experience. So it's, um, yeah, it's exciting to see what's going to happen there. This kind of leads me on to the next part, which is, um, we were talking briefly about this yesterday and I could hear the excitement in your voice when I said, I'd love to talk to you about the springboard program. Um, and you were like, yes, this, yes, let's definitely talk about it. So just, I've literally pulled this example directly from the website of what it is. So it's a scheme that involves free out of school workshops for young people aged 11 to 16. The attendees will learn British, a black British history through the lens of music, including Afrobeats, reggae, and much more. Young people will gain skills that can be used to enhance CVs, work experience, and internship applications. It sounds awesome. Yes, it's one of our newest, um, but oldest at the same time. So it was the first kind of uh, workshop that we'd done when we launched and we found all the feedback to be like really positive and young people really wanted to be able to bridge things that they were interested in with black history. So coming back to this idea of history being this really bland, boring thing. Like, <laughs> I've put my foot in it earlier, Lavinia, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but even for myself like history was it was a there was a disconnect between art textiles and history yeah. and I think they are completely two different disciplines and rightly so like you know history is very you know you have to be very prescriptive and very detailed and I think some of the things that are required in that you also can find in other subjects but I think there is a space that is missing in education from within bridging things together. So, you know, history and geography aren't completely separate. There are, inter you know, there are interconnected themes within that. And I think the teaching of that has to reflect that as well. So Springboard, the whole intention is to bring music and black history together um, because yes, music has in, especially in my culture, been a vehicle for a lot of change. Um, we think of like um, the songs from just to state the obvious, Marcus, um, sorry, not Marcus Covey, Bob Marley, and um, a lot of artists from Jamaica really thinking about very strong political themes, but carrying it through the lens of music. And that has, you know, to some extent influenced a lot of the way that we see the world um, yeah. and how, you know, music has been an export um, from Jamaica, but reflected, reflecting its social and also um, economical history. So in terms of what we're trying to do here and pushing that change, music is that avenue. And so we've partnered up with Universal Music to wow. deliver programs, yes, across um, five cities to 1,800 students this year. Um, and it's all free. And the idea is that they spend some time with us to, yeah, like have their skills, be mentored by artists, have um, an opportunity to express themselves as well, you know, giving the opportunity for them to create this, this thing that they're proud of and to showcase that. And then in their own time or even with us, you know, be supported to develop something much more further and bigger that they're interested in. So it's like, it's weaving together subjects to create that change for young people, but from them. Yeah, yeah that sounds phenomenal. So where, what are the five cities that you're working in? Um, so London, Manchester, Birmingham, Bristol, and Liverpool. Great. And will you be attending most of those sessions around? Are you going to visit most of them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're not CEO for no reason. You got to keep these benefits of visiting all these towns. And what's the sort of what's the buy-in been like so far? Have you got got quite a lot of numbers coming in to join that? Yeah, so we've sold out our first ones in London. So that's the 26th of June, um, uh, 24th of July as well. Manchester and Birmingham have booked out. Liverpool um, is yet to be filled. But yeah, the numbers are increasing. And I think with more um, with more feedback, I think when we get the young people in after the first sessions, then, you know, it will, it will naturally kind of build up and stuff. So yeah, yeah like, it's been really good. And everyone's excited our educators as well are amazing I just want to shout them out because they're the they're the most you know exhilarating part of this whole process seeing people who are also really passionate and have such really deep subject knowledge and are ready to kind of change the world so I'm really excited to see them in action to be able to teach those young people as well absolutely and share that passion as well um oh I can't wait to hear how it goes please please definitely let us know how it goes um I've got a couple of other questions I want to kind of go through and this one's sort of a little bit, uh, it kind of links a little bit to the springboard. You've mentioned that this is something you've been doing for quite some time, but we mentioned earlier as well um, that, you know, the last 12 months have been huge for yourselves. You know, we were going to get you back in. We were looking to have you do some more webinars. I know it got a little bit tricky with time because you are so busy because you've just got so much on. Um, May 25th marks the um, year anniversary since George Floyd's death. Uh, it's 12 months in June since the Black Lives Matter marches um, and protests throughout London and I guess across the globe. How much has changed since that point? Was that was that a turning point for yourselves as well with the Black curriculum? Yes. Okay, so I'd say that since this time last year, my world, the Black curriculum's world, has just been turned upside down in a good way. And I think, yeah, it's been an increased... Um, interest in our work which is really refreshing um, and also inspiring to see different types of people also kind of reach out to yeah support us but to also to be educated and to continue that education so I'd say like it's been transformational um, I think the second part of your question as you were saying it I was like I think there's a part of this because we are literally in the middle of this storm whirlwind maybe I have a skewed perspective on like where the change has happened but I'm going to try and speak objectively I think in terms of like the reactions from a lot of people especially over like the last you know six to nine months it since May it has definitely um shown me that there is an increased appetite for what we're doing and people want to make that change it's just they need the, step, the steps and the actual tools to make that change happen I think it's too early to say whether there has been change um, it doesn't happen overnight, but I do think that there is a sustained movement, um, which, you know, the Black curriculum is definitely spearheading. But I would mm -hmm. also say that when it comes to, um, like, attitudes in society, a lot of, um, you know, the recent report, the Sewell report, um, COVID, we just come out of that period of, like, um, Black um, and BAME deaths happening disproportionately I think people are asking questions that matter I think before there was a sense of like well this is their problem or this is not a really uh, together problem but we're all in this together and I've seen that there is like a change in that attitude um in terms of the responses that have been taken up but I think yeah I think the disadvantage of being in the middle of it is that you just you think that there's change because there's so many inquiries and things happening but um we're yet to see. I think it's too early to say. Yeah, I think as well, 
obviously what you guys are doing, the black curriculum itself, it starts, starts in education. And what you're doing is, as you said, you're spearheading that you are, you're leading the charge. You are genuinely blazing the most incredible trail for people to see that. And, and my hope is that it becomes global. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself for you, Lavinia, but I really do. I, I see <laughs> for those who can't see this, Lavinia just clapped. So I'm very happy with that. Um, no, I, I genuinely do mean that there is so much work that can be done globally. Um, and you have just stepped up at a time that obviously has been, you know, as you said, the last 12 months in terms of change and, 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 I, I did mean as well, particularly just for your for your company, not so much as for the whole the whole thing. But it's been really interesting to hear your your take on that as well. And um, it's been it's amazing to see this. And I'm so I I'm so thrilled and so excited to have seen you. Twelve months ago, when it, when you were like, oh yeah, it's getting pretty good. Like yeah, there's there's a bit happening. I can do the webinar and it's all right. And then I no word of a lie was talking to Joy, our the lead of marketing who produces the podcast for us, and I said to her. I don't know if we're going to be able to get her on. She's really busy. She's really popular. She's been interviewed by Vogue. Like Gillian Anderson follows the black curriculum on Instagram. I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to. So Lavinia, I cannot thank you enough for, for taking some time out of your day today to, to speak with us. And I appreciate a couple of technical issues yesterday that we've had and, and you know, to, to find some time in your day again today. It is honestly the biggest honour to have you on. And I really do hope that we can have you on again shortly to, to see sort of what's happened next, because this is a, this is a program that we, you know, we really want to see grow and, and can see such power behind it. And, and I really want to see sort of what's the next bit and, and what, how are you transforming this? Because as you mentioned earlier, it's not, um, it isn't a linear project. It's a very organic project, and and you're going to be finding you're finding your feet and finding your groove as you kind of get through it. And the bigger you get, the more you can do, and the more tentacles you'll have. And and you know we're so excited by that. And and I know our listeners will be just so thrilled to be able to hear that take on yours. And um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that you sort of wanted to add before we wrap up today? Just um to say thank you for your support and encouragement throughout this last twelve months, and even prior to that as well. I think um. I entered into agency because I, you know, I really wanted to have something to support the back curriculum. I think there's a lot of teachers and a lot of prospective teachers who just want to kind of just find out how they can start an education. I think to have um, not only the support and um, just openness to make the lives of those people better is important. But a message to them is that you know, like, don't be afraid. Like, education is the place that young people kind of looking up to you to have that like encouragement to really like remember that every day I know it's difficult because we're in a system that is like chucking loads of things at us especially in education but if you can make um sure that yeah you encourage those young people and give them everything that you can whilst you're there yeah do it amazing Thank you so, so much, Lavinia. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Please be sure, listeners, to to visit the Black Curriculum uh, website and also the Instagram page. Brilliant uh, snippets of education in there, um, some great history history pieces as well. It's it's a really very user-friendly site um, and, again, just so informative and, and, and really powerful. So, Lavinia, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, everyone, as well, for joining us this week on Exceptional Education. My name is Phoebe, and we will see you next time. Thank you.